1: Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. Hello and welcome to another episode of Truthiverse. I am your host, Brendan D. Murphy, and we are on Healthy Life Radio. This week, I am joined by the epic Alison McDowell, who is an independent mum, investigator, blogger at wrenchinthegears.com and a very, very articulate proponent of, I would say, humanity at this point in time. So (laughs) with that said, Alison, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you for the, the extending the invitation, and, yeah, and I fine. based here in Philadelphia in the US.
1: That's oh, you are in Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, let's let's start with. Firstly, I'd love, love to know because you're so you are so articulate with with the, what I've heard you talk about and the detail and your your big picture understanding of the sort of global uh, machinery of, of what's going on and what's driving this this you know the globalization but also the the pandemic narrative and what's behind that at an economic level and you know the behind the scenes kind of stuff. So, I mean, how did you end up first getting into this this world and starting your study?
2: Well, I. I I've been doing activism around the advertising of public schools in Philadelphia, which were a, a large city, a poor city, and a crucible for that. So that's sort of how I got my feet wet in terms of and my eyes open to the way in which the world is intentionally broken <laughs> and how the, the profit factors are built into that. And, you know, especially when you come into something where the target of the brokenness is children, you know, in that system and, and the, you know, the future of society and that it's how we're educating kids. That's how I came into it initially, and then looking at the technology that was used in the schools and the layering in not just of the profit center around the technology, but also the surveillance and the data mining of children through that. And then eventually it sort of segued into that that treatment of humanity as a data commodity, as a, a profit center, wasn't limited to schools. It was really every facet of society and increasingly built into the public benefit systems, So the poor who needed to access benefits under the guise of accountability and transparency were being data-mined and put into service pathways that would never actually get them out of poverty, but just maintain them in sort of well-managed, impoverished circumstances. And we're a city of great poverty, and, you know, the, the... sort of preeminent, you know, the politicians and the think tanks and the academics were all about, well, we're going to call Philadelphia, we're going to make it a model impact economy. And that's what they call it, a social impact economy. We're going to be the Silicon Valley of impact investing, which means that like all of the rich people on the main line are going to data mine the poor people in the city. And then and this led into to COVID. And then clearly the, the, the mass global economic implosion is catalyzing these large potential markets in poverty management
1: so so yeah, thank you and and let's go, let's go let's I wanted to start with this, and you've you've kind of segued into it nicely, which is the this scandemic, <clears throat> and like you said, this is a global phenomenon i we've, we've had the global sort of lockdown, most countries have, have shut themselves down and floated economically, and it's a, it's clearly a top down you know structure and power structure that's initiated this and so why, why have they those at the top of the pyramid, and we'll talk about who and who and what and stuff but. Why are they deliberately crashing economies and, and engineering poverty? When you know, obviously, even most people in the political system would not want this to happen. It's just it just happens. To, as far as I can see, most people, certainly in Australian politics, are just useful idiots, um, and they don't know any better, right? So they're they're just kind of. I like, think
2: by now they'd start to look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, start, yeah, right.
1: I mean, how how much more until they do start to look? But so why why? Why do we want to put people... I mean, the middle class is basically decimated and destroyed at this point in time. There's not much left of it. And it's, as you're saying, it's not accidental, it's deliberate. So who, why do we want to put everyone into a state where they're you know, dependent on welfare and these government handouts and stuff? Who's doing this? Why?
2: Well, I think it's like within certain circles pretty widely understood that we look to Davos and the World Economic Forum. It's sort of the source of what's called the Fourth Industrial Revolution, And so it's this major transformation, and the the elements of this fourth industrial revolution include the movement to automation, robotics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, synthetic biology, you know, all all of these things that will foundationally transform the world. And this piggybacks on the work that's been happening over several decades towards, like, the Agenda 21, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which is sort of steeped in this technocratic approach to system management, like human computing systems management of the, not just humanity, but the earth. So there's two pieces that are being engineered, and and that was advancing over the past two decades with advances in technological systems. And I feel at this point, we're at this pivot, you know, Davos has clearly laid out these plans. Klaus Schwab has his book about the Great Reset. You know, there's five elements, if you look at the World Economic Forum, that I think really clearly lay out what the program is and that, you know, it's the fourth industrial revolution. That is the plan. In 2019, they have an annual gathering in Davos in January. In 2019, it was called Globalization 4.0. So they're envisioning the next wave of globalization, which is beyond simply, you know, globalized supply chains and platform labor that we're really going to seriously start to platform and automate whole sectors of the middle class and white-collar jobs and other things. So that's coming in tandem with virtual reality and augmented reality systems where literally you could do, be in a haptic suit like in the next decade and operate a factory in another continent at the cheapest labor. So, you know, it's really changing the nature of globalization that was set last year. And then in 2020, they advanced stakeholder capitalism. So that's what happened, you know, the the six weeks before COVID was announced is that they're calling... They're saying capitalism is over, the old fashioned kind, and now stakeholder capitalism, which is poverty management capitalism, under the guise of progressive, sort of paternalistic care with Internet of Things automation, is that's going to be the new plan around the world. But for the technocracy to work, they need these systems of cloud computing and also the Internet of Things with the 5G system, soon to be 6G, 6G and blockchain and blockchain decentralized ledgers that will track all of this data and feed into the AI system so that essentially your humanity is living in sort of a cyber-physical world that is like a virtualized world that is learning you as you live in, in these smart environments. And Philadelphia is a smart city. So I sort of have a macro-micro. But that's World Economic Forum it has whole papers called the Internet of Bodies. They said that, so they an in the Internet of Actions where actually, like, systems become almost like self-actualizing through AI, And digital twins. So these are all things that are happening, but they can only—they are happening to serve the needs of transnational global capital, right? It's not any one country. So they needed something that would actually consistently within a short time frame lock everyone into this new system and establish a structure um, to impose that. And my feeling is strongly that what is what they need to do this is these digital identity systems which if it was a voluntary system, like Aadhaar in India was an early phase with Gates backing this digital identity, but it was optional. Like a lot of people got it, but you didn't have to. But if you frame it as a national security threat, right, if you if you create an illness or you create a sense of urgency that we are under continual attack, like a bioterrorist attack, and that if you do not fulfill your obligation to be tracked in this Internet of Things world, that you are a threat Society. That's how they're going to get everyone into the system, and and so I think I think that will probably roll out in the next. You know, they they talk about a five year time frame. You know, and and so these series of injections and the vac the you know the injection recordings will facilitate that.
1: Yeah, I think that's. Uh, it's interesting that the World Bank on one of their websites they have this something called something along the lines of of a pandemic response plan and they we're in it now they they're running this this pandemic response thing right now and it was scheduled and this i think is very interesting with what you're saying you mentioned you know running this for another 5 years or so their their response is to scheduled to only finish in 2025 so they—it they, seems like they want to continue this this state of shutdown, lockdown, paralysis, um, and feeding us into this this AI sort of data management system where they're harvesting our biometrics. I mean, there's this clear obsession with obsession with with tagging us, harvesting our data, and genetically profiling everyone. As just as you're saying, like that's where all this seems to be going. So it seems like I
2: will say the stakeholder capitalism piece, and I think something that is not. As, as commonly discussed as I think merits, is that actually there are financial products, right? Like we, we've seen anyone who's paying attention to the, the real estate implosion, you know, a decade ago, that they were creating actual new, innovative financial products to sell. These, these sort of artificial creations of, of real things into commodities to speculate, to, to run gambling, legalized global gambling games is essentially what they did. The only thing bigger than real estate now, because the wealth is more concentrated, is humans is people, right? And in order to do that, they're going to essentially turn people into a, a financial commodity as human capital bonds. And this this apparatus has been in place since the mid-1990s, setting it up, but it's tied in with public benefit systems. So, so it's tied in with access to education and healthcare and housing and food assistance and mental health and addiction treatment and, and all of these things that are tied into government systems. And so that's the actual product that this is hedge funds that are setting this up I mean it's Davos and it is um, the most powerful institutions of wealth in the world if, if people, folks look up impact management Project, there are all the 2,000 top asset holders in the world but it's the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund it's the Vatican Bank it's the Mormons, it's Jack Ma, like it's, it's SoftBank, it's every major, it's, it's CIA craft, it's your pension fund, it's your insurance fund. It's everything has to channel it through our bodies because at this point, people don't have the liquidity to both acquire enough product to grow the economy at the rate at which capitalism demands, you know, everyone is in debt, and then their the carrying capacity of the planet is somewhat reached, right? Like we're, we're reaching the threshold of growth. As we understand it, and so as we hit this threshold, the 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 push is going to be to push us into a virtual space, Mm. to actually capitalism like breaks the wall and goes into a virtual environment. And we'll even we've seen that like I saw that years ago in the classroom with behavioral management tools, where kids would have avatars and they would buy clothes with behavior points for their avatars. And so they they've already been shifting to virtual consumption. You consume digital items. You you identify your brand digitally. And that's how, not that there isn't any cost to that. Surely there's an, an, an energy cost to storing these things in a digital space and, and you know, minerals and other things, but it's not the same,
1: mm.
2: right? You think you could have a closet full of 100 avatar clothes, you know, at, the, at a fraction of the cost of what that would be for real clothes.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. And you did mention education there, and you've had a lot to say about the direction that education is now being taken in under this sort of global poverty management kind of ethos, so maybe just talk to that a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Well, so I would encourage folks in, in the U.S. It's based in the United States, an organization called KnowledgeWorks. And they have a series of white papers that they actually just say everything that is planned. And it sounds outrageous until it actually happens. You know, I would tell my husband, he's like, well, that would never happen. They would never give up schools. And I'm like, I don't know how they're going to do it. But they should say that this is what they're going to do. So, so now here we are. But their their vision, and this was connected with the MacArthur Foundation and Mozilla, Um, is essentially to have lifelong learning. You're never done learning, like, which in reality, all of us like learning. You know, we're we're curious minds. You know, you you agree that you learn things regularly. But this is like you're never off the hook. You're always jumping through the next hoop to get the next credential to try to get the micro work. Right? It's not pleasant learning. It's an obligatory check-a-box learning. And so their idea is that you will not have schools that have Here's an elementary school and a high school and a community college and a university and a graduate program. And No, you won't have any of that. You will just be, it's Pokemon Go education. You just continue to get these little skill points. It's just like a virtual reality game in the, real, in the real world and that most bricks and mortar schools will go away and you will have drop-in centers. And at these drop-in centers, you'll have like your social worker who will chart your pathway and as you acquire skills and badges, the AI is learning you and feeding you the next thing, right? And so, essentially, all of this is aligned to planned regional economies. In the United States, it's called the Workforce um, Innovation Opportunity Act. It was set up by Obama. So there's regional planned economies by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. So this isn't communism and socialism. This is like run for IBM and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you know, and to, and to because what they need is they need kids to build the digital jail to code the digital jail, but. It's, it's running you into this pre-existing career pathway. Mm. And they, they can essentially engineer their workforce through AI in advance and just brainwash kids through the digital platforms. And then get, gamble on it, too, like create an impact market on the performance on the online system. So they're both engineering their labor market and they're creating impact opportunities for the social impact investors at the same time. It's really twisted.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is really twisted. I mean, how do you feel about the the impact of, you know, for example, like this a, a kid who goes through that system, you know, the impact on their their socialization or their their brain development versus, you know, doing things in a little bit more of an organic and natural kind of a way. I mean, I I'm, I suspect you have some opinions on, on that side of it. I, I don't
2: they don't they don't want kids to know what real life is like. I mean, once you're in a digital space, particularly, I don't think virtual reality will be long-lived. Eventually, it will be primarily augmented reality. But right now, they're conditioning kids with virtual reality headsets. And actually, there's a UNICEF is pushing a lot of this, actually. And they have an innovation fund that's actually their primary backer is Disney. <laughs> and so they're in Africa doing pushing virtual reality training. And the company that's got these headsets, It's based in the U.K., and and on their website, they have headsets on preschoolers. So they have, like, a a group of six preschoolers with these giant VR headsets, like, sitting on the rug. And it just makes you ill to to see that. Because what people aren't aware of is that when you're in a VR headset with these haptics, they're actually capturing biometric data off of them and behavioral data. It's not a one-way experience. It's not that you're experiencing out. They're actually experiencing you. And so these impact markets are actually built on measurable behavior change. So they are literally creating opportunities to digitally brainwash children with things on their faces. Yeah. New government systems for profit and emotional manipulation. I mean, and, and, and clearly we've done this. I mean, like we have MKUltra, Ultra, like the mind control. Like we've, we've been, you know, State governments have been investigating these systems for a very long time, I mean, not just the U.S., the U.S.S.R. Like, there has been a lot of technology invested in digital mind control, but it's pretty graphic when you see that actually it's right there, right, and how do you protect kids? Because what I'm saying on the education system is if the whole global economy is built on you competing with your, your, your set of badges, your skill points that you have, even if you try to raise your kid outside the system, if you don't have a place for them to go that they can work with no badges, they're out of luck. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we actually have to look at it holistically that it's not simply the education system, but it's the whole, like, we have to refuse globalization 4.0. And, you know, I I will say, I don't know if I'm running on too much, but, like, something that's relevant that's just happened, and I I was engaging with folks yesterday on social media, was this great Barrington Declaration, right? And, And it's this declaration that a number of Keith, doctors from Stanford, one from Stanford, one from Harvard, and one from Oxford, all signed saying, like, we should end the lockdowns. But there was nothing in there that, that spoke to the masking, that spoke to biometric digital identity, that spoke to contact tracing, that spoke to the biosecurity state. And what I'm trying to get people to understand is we, and, and those entities are actually all the ones who are setting up the impact on markets. Right, and everyone's like, but these are probably very nice people, and they're probably just really mean it that they. And I'm like, sure, on the weekend, I'm sure they're very nice people, but they're actually representing the institutions that are implementing this identity system. So my fight isn't simply the COVID fight. I didn't. I was in this fight before COVID. I'm not just against the lockdowns. It needs to be for the right reasons. And if the medical community, the, the mainstream medical community, is going to run the, the biosecurity state for the impact investors, right? that the psychiatrists are going to be running the mental health treatment markets, right? And and we're going to start making preschoolers wear Fitbits so that they don't, to, you know, get their BMI down and all of these things. Like, we need to stop the blockchain identity systems, and we need to stop the biosecurity state and to lift up the medical establishment. Has, even though millions of people have been marching and opposing this in and, and big and small ways, opposing these lockdowns, that all of a sudden the Harvard and Stanford and Oxford doctors come on the scene and like, good, I'm so glad, like, now we can move on, that actually is the wrong way to step off. And it's not about those individual people. It's about the system. We have to be very, very cautious about the medical establishment because they are being set up to be the digital jailers and what's coming. So it's not just about the lockdown. As terrible as the lockdown is, they don't – There, it's going to be a system of lockdown open, lockdown open. It's, it's, a, it's a propaganda. It's a mental control system that we're living in, and people need to understand – where is coming after?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's my my interest in, in the the global pandemic is is that it's clearly it's like the, the most obvious and desperate, over the top, overt kind of attempts at installing this techno fascist dictatorship that you're you're describing. So now is the time. Like we we see more more than ever people are starting to wake up and go, Oh, hang on a minute, something seems a bit off here. Why why this doesn't make sense? What's going on? So uh, I think it's a really good uh, window or, or way in. It's a good in for getting people to see a bigger picture beyond things like lockdowns and, you know, fake pandemics and things like the the, re, the rationale behind it, the economic structure that actually mandates the existence of a fake pandemic and en- the engineering of a fake pandemic, which is why, why I think your perspective is so brilliant and so valuable. So um, I will just take us to a quick break, and then I want to come back and we'll pick up the spread here with Alison McDowell on Truthverse with Brendan D. Murphy. We're on Healthy Life Radio and we'll be right back and go away.
0: Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's e-book, The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphycom pocket. That's brendandmurphycom slash pocket. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. The Grand Illusion is the book that can prove consciousness is at the root of creation. It strips away the veil of materialism and heals the division between science and spirituality. It provides a new intelligent foundation and direction for civilization to take in the 21st century and beyond. Personally, get ready to go to your next level on multiple counts, as The Grand Illusion by Brendan D. Murphy illuminates the truth so you can be part of the solution for a better, happier world. Get your copy now at brendandmurphy.com slash TGI. Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit healthylife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. You have options. Even if the economy is down, you can help protect yourself with multiple revenue streams to help you through these fast-changing times and beyond. If you're serious about exploring your options, then head to brendandmurphy.com future to check out the free training session. You can start adapting your future and learn to set up a fully functional affiliate marketing ad campaign step-by-step. You can learn how to use social media to make a living. So start by going to brendandmurphy.com future.
1: More exhilarating
0: talk, healthylife.net.
1: Welcome back to Truthverse with Brendan D. Murphy and our special guest this week, Alison McDowell. We are talking about the fourth industrial revolution and the installation of the technocratic, techno-fascist dictatorship on a global scale. Alison, did you have any anything you wanted to pick up from the thread that we, were, we just interrupted momentarily with the, the break?
2: Well, I just wanted to speak a little bit about the, the health management aspect. Sure. Because I think it's really important to understand the ways in which the narrative and, and and the reality of what happened with the pandemic, at least in the US, that certain populations appear to, to have much higher negative impact of this illness, right? And and whether the nature of that was people being, you know, incentives to put people on ventilators, which were definitely the bad choice, or you know, it's possible that there were other aspects in which people certain racialized groups were targeted. But like with the Navajo Nation and with the black community, especially in New York City, that, that they had very high levels of bad outcomes. And so it's important to understand in this larger framing, because what we're seeing now is a framing for a much longer range program. People need to understand it's a much longer range program. It's not just COVID. This is this new normal that they're trying to impose. Is The impact sectors, I had said, were education, healthcare, and housing. If you can frame, essentially they are going to weaponize social determinants of health, okay? They are going to weaponize pre-existing health disparities in communities that are very real, right? I mean, there, there are very real disparities in our, in our country in terms of access to health care, access to healthy food, access to stable housing. There are real issues of, like, intergenerational trauma that are connected in these communities, but all of these things are actually now going to make those communities targets for impact investors. And those impact markets don't actually benefit from this problem being solved, right? No global market is going to eliminate the source of its profit. So they will manage your, your your trauma. They will manage your poverty. They will manage your food access. But they will never actually give you autonomy to get out of the situation, right? That's, that's how this is going to work. And so we need to look at – COVID and health management because that's where Michael Bloomberg comes in. And I think too many people are focused on Bill Gates and he's a but he, he's convenient because essentially he covers over a lot of other individuals like Piero Omidyar, and Mark Benioff and Michael Bloomberg who are the ba- who are the people that are going to be running the the data dashboards that are going to be managing people when they're in between pandemics, right? Like because now we have to optimize our health always because we never know when the next pandemic is going to come, so we we really have to be, like, well-honed machines and always on top of things because, like, you know, there's that thing out there that's going to come after us, and and that's the framing that they want us to buy into, Um, and that is going to happen in this ubiquitous sensors are these smart cities, and the smart cities are inherently militarized cities. The Internet is a military technology. It's birthed out of the military, and the smart city technologies come from New York City, and it's their partnership with Microsoft and Michael Bloomberg. And the Federal Reserve. And so it is all a financialized police state, essentially, these the smart environments. So they want you to put on your Fitbit, all right? They want you to, they want to track you and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to. In the impact market, that's what the, in, the hedge funds are going to bet on. Did you meet your step goals today, right? Did you, did you meditate? Did your head brainwave bands? <laughs> you know, now we've mixed in these wearable technologies. And what's really chilling is that there's something called the DNA nudge band that the Imperial College that got out the initial terrible report that was, you know, proven to be so inaccurate, they have a whole R&D division, and one of their divisions actually developed something called the DNA Nudge, which was a, a wearable risk technology that you would scan your food. And it would supposedly, based on your DNA, tell you optimally what food you should buy. People are like, well, that's crazy. Who would ever do that, right? Well, it's crazy unless to get your food assistance, you have to scan your purchases that way, right? Or you're locked down and Amazon will only deliver the things that you're allowed to have. And then they track if you ate it. You know, like maybe you have to have a sensor to show you recycled it properly. Like that's the level of, and again, I'm all about that people should have access to affordable, healthy food, right? And that you should have, you know, access to employment that lets you have a wage to buy that food and time off to cook it in an enjoyable way and eat it with your friends and like have all of those things. But you do not want to put Nanotech and wearable technology and all of that, and have Michael Bloomberg's police state looking over your shoulder, which is really what we're looking at. Because the NHS actually arranged to buy six and a half million of these nudge bands to connect it to the COVID testing.
1: Ah,
0: interesting.
2: Right. So, and and actually, there was a woman I just added her into my my database. I do a lot of mapping on Little sits and her name is Jessica Irvine. She writes for the Sydney Morning, Morning Herald. She's like an economist. A r- journalist, whatever, and she wrote early on in this thing, and I needed to get it in, called Walk for the Dole. And oh. So this was her op-ed. She said, well, I, you know, I think we're all gaining a little weight while we're sitting at home, and we should, you know, all those job seekers, they should actually have to walk around and prove that, you know, they're getting out and, and maintaining their health. And look at Boris Johnson. Like, after he had COVID, he just realized that obesity was a real problem, right? And so now the, their new health plan has all of these things around obesity. which Again, is putting on the individual as opposed to the structure." Right. Why is obesity a problem? Is it, you know, there are many reasons and and many of them do not,
1: you cannot limit
2: it to individual behavior because it's individuals operating with environmental systems that are really anti-antithetical to good health.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Does that make sense? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, so the DNA nudge thing, that was was the first I've heard of it, actually, is is this this technology. So that's the whole point of it, isn't it really? They they always want to introduce this stuff as this fun novelty, hey, you know, try it out, yay! You know, know, (laughs) like, how many steps are you going to take today and all this sort of stuff. But then... The whole point of it is, of course, that there will come a time when you you can't opt out of it and you can't function unless you're hooked up to this system where you're constantly inputting your data into it. And if you become a a dissident or you don't want to wear it or whatever, then, you know, you're cut off from being able to purchase food, you know, essentials, isn't it? I mean, it's not – ultimately, it's not about being an optional health-supporting thing. It's completely the opposite.
2: Yeah, well, and I have, I I tell a story, I have a friend, who was a teacher when we were doing education stuff, and she she taught second grade in Maine, and her co-teacher brought in this program to the school from UNICEF, and it was a Fitbit, and the kids were all supposed to, like, meet their fit goals or whatever, and if they did, UNICEF gave a food packet to, like, a refugee child.
1: Wow, yeah.
2: And then, you know, like, this seven-year-old is coming up to the teacher going, you know, if they have the food, why don't they just give it to the kids? Exactly. Right? And I'm like, if they have this, give it to them. Yeah. And these bands are actually, like, sold at Target, like, retailers, and they're branded with Star Wars. So, wow. like, it's the layer of Disney and marketing and retail culture and consumer culture and global aid systems. And, like, these, you know, I came into this early on. Like I say, I was, like, recovering liberal, and then, like, now I'm, like, recovering leftist. Like, I don't really belong in any of these spaces because I'm, like, we need a better world. Like we need, we need to look at this history, but we need to figure out something better. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like people should be able to eat and have safety and have care for children. And and who in the world thought that they would get away with it? But I mean, they are. I guess that's the thing that I'm frustrated with is they do seem to be getting away with it.
1: So it's and of course, only a small step there. I'm just going to drop this in before we have to go to a quick break, but you know, talking about the the performing a task to to get a food package delivered to a poor, impoverished child. I mean it's only one step removed from having to perform a task so that you get your food package. Yeah. That's which true are, it's trying to normalise this kind of thing, isn't it? So uh, with that said, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with Alison Dow here on Truthverse. You're listening to Healthy Life Radio. Don't go away.
0: There's a master class in self-evolution called Evolve Yourself. It helps you become the best version of yourself and even goes beyond your expectations. Once activated, Evolve Yourself continues to guide and mold you on your path towards enlightenment automatically, like it's on autopilot. Imagine spiritual growth and healing as you are made aware of a simple method to trigger a massive mind-body-spirit upgrade. It's easy to begin your transformation process. Watch the free online master class at EvolveYourself.live. Evolve Yourself. For the best in business class travel, count on Cheapo Air. Cheapo Air has the best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service, and easy booking online or by phone. To experience your hassle-free journey, start by going to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Cheapo Air. Looking for an online business? Well, look no further. On BrendanDMurphy.com, you can join the Affiliate Institute. You'll get the skill set and core tools you need to help you be a successful online entrepreneur. It's taught by some of the best people in the business like Cameron George. But what's even better, you can earn as you learn. Only the Affiliate Institute teaches you what to do and provides you amazing high-ticket offers that you can immediately sell. So start your online business today by going to brendandmurphy.com slash playbook. Constant Contact and your small business make a perfect fit for marketing. They give you what you need to succeed. Fast and easy email marketing at your fingertips. Visit the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on Constant Contact to start your marketing. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash kangen, spelled K-A-N-G-E-N. You're listening to CHSR, real radio on the web.
1: All right, welcome back to Truthverse with Brendan D. Murphy and our special guest, Alison McDowell, this week. Allison, we were talking about some pretty disturbing stuff there with the the Fitbits and the DNA nudge thing. Did you want to add anything to that thread, or uh, I've got a couple other places we can go, or you know, just take it to wherever you want to go?
2: Could I say something about food? Please. Okay, so this is the thing that I've been working on mapping lately. Rockefeller Foundation, which clearly Rockefeller is backing a lot of this, they work closely with Bloomberg Philanthropies. They've been doing contact tracing and public, you know, they're the foundational public health you know, backers back to the, you know, you know, 1910s, you know, with Johns Hopkins. And so Rockefeller is central. They're actually also the backers of the social impact market. So the, the, the former head of the Rockefeller Foundation before the current one, her name was Judith Rodin, and she actually was the president of the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. So that's how it kind of comes back. That's when I first started looking into it. She created something called the Global Impact Investment Network. And actually Rockefeller is funding something called, I really encourage people to look it up, the Commons Project. And the Commons Project, it kind of was like a sleeper cell last year, like last summer, and then it popped up in July and they have a a global board of 60 people. And if you actually look at who those 60 people are, like you realize, oh, this thing isn't going to just be over. Like they're not going to just go, oh, right, right. Okay, put that in the drawer and move on. No, this is a long-term. And the products that they've developed, there's three pieces. Um, One is health systems tracking, one is access to employment and education, and then one is mobility, like air travel and other sorts of travel. And what I keep trying to talk to people about, especially immigration issues, is that we have to understand geofencing and real-time border changing, that really the the idea of containing people in real time with smart systems, that your border, an illegal border, could be your front door. Like under quarantine, I'm trying to get people to sort of reimagine around certain longstanding race issues that we need to rethink what immigration means in a globalized society under COVID or a pandemic in biosecurity. Is that they can essentially contain you to your neighborhood, to five miles, to your door, to a country. Like they can, yeah. and that, that's all done in real time through satellite. So that's the COVID, so the commons project, Rockefeller is backing them. I did want to mention the food. They have two reports recently out about food systems transformation, and a lot of it is being framed around sustainability and climate change. And again, we know through Agenda 21, you know, the plan is that everyone is, is in these mega cities. So we depopulate the wildlands and we move everyone into these concentrated, dense cities, and then we manage them. And, you know, what's scary is I actually came across, you know, information early on, like the, the U.S. Tradoc, the training and military command for the U.S. Army, has a whole division called the Mad Scientist Division. They actually have a YouTube channel, which is like interesting. Like you can, and that's something like, you can just watch on YouTube. But they have like a whole report from RAND called like you know warfare in urban megacities. So they talk about having these megacities and then these belts for urban farming, like essentially so that they can take them over for military maneuvers when they need to. So, like, how is all this going to happen? Well, I guess now that we see a little directed energy weapons, and the people in the cities get your farm belt out. So when the Rockefeller is talking about the food system's transformation, UN sustainable development goal number two is hunger, right? So we're also seeing massive hunger. So you're, you're seeing a lot of ads from UNICEF about child hunger, which, again, is very accurate. But what people are not realizing is that UNICEF is part of the problem. They're actually identifying social impact markets. This is all being done intentionally. And now instead of just war and famine, you can also use pandemic and global economic devastation to cause hunger. So that's the impact market is UNSDG2. And I think 11 is smart cities or resilient cities, and Rockefeller is all about the resilient cities. So I've been looking into, like, food management. Like, what are these systems? And in technocracy, they want to know energy inputs and outputs. So they'd really like to know, like, how many calories did you eat? And then what, what did you do out of that? And there's this crazy thing that they've even got, like, toilets now with with biometric sphincter identification. Yeah. <laughs> like down to that level, right? So, like, they can really do the input and output. But they need to control everything. So they actually, what they want is they want vertical farming so that they can have robot harvest, so that they can manage the nutrients. They can, everything is standardized, just like they're standardizing education. They can standardize all the food systems, and they can disconnect it, actually, from the earth. Yeah. And, and the thing that I want to, like, just, and and this is new to me, this sort of sacred aspect or the resonant, the energy systems, like, the people who got me in, gen, like, March, They were holistic healers. Like, these are not my people. Like, I did not know much about this, but they were like, yeah, like, we got you. And as they build the mechanistic energy systems, the 5G systems, these other man-made technological energy connections, they want to disconnect people and isolate people, both for the mining purpose and just to disempower people. So once you start consuming food, I mean, as much as... You know, I know a lot of very healthy people are all about growing microgreens, you know, on their windowsill on a paper towel. It's not the same as food and soil. It's just not for long term. Like, it could be a supplement, but it's not your food. Mm-hmm. And that's what Rockefeller wants to do. They want to have cargo containers with controlled water systems, with controlled lighting. Um, and all of those are profit centers, and they'll probably push that in on global south communities and use structural adjustment. Like, make them take on debt to build warehouses, to build Warehouse-based agricultural commodities and lab-grown meat and synthetic biology, and CRISPR technology meat, and also they're talking about medicalizing food. So building into lettuce and tomatoes, vaccination. <laughs> right. So what if your nudge band only lets you buy the vaccine tomato? Right? Yeah, right. You know your 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 comorbidity, your you know health history of your you know three generations back indicate that you can really only have this tomato. Right. And and it's not that far off. Like, they have to make it socially acceptable. Mm. But that's where this is all going. Yeah. So I think that is really, you know, the more I looked at it and then it, it spun off into, like, weaponized weather and, you know, directed energy. Like, maybe they want to put all the food in a box because they really think that the whole world, like, we've screwed up the whole atmosphere and we're never going to grow on natural soil again. But I don't want that. Like, I want to fight that going down. Yeah. So...
1: Yeah, it, it's it's astonishing. Uh, what I'm hearing there is, you know, essentially the weaponization of of food itself, and you know, uh, you know, of, of course they always sell it to us in a way that it's it's supposed to be beneficial to us. But really, what it's doing is, you know, it'll be the alteration of our DNA. It'll be the further, you know, it's like that. The, the micromanagement taken down to like the nano management, the genetic level of let's ma- manage humans at the genetic level, and we'll we'll create them in our image. So we creating simulations of humans out of real humans. And this whole system seems to be about creating simulations or simulacra is, yeah. of, of the real. So we're creating a parallel world of the unreal.
2: <laughs> right. And you, they can control it. And it's a military world. Like, that's what I keep wanting to emphasize, is that there's a book, Joshua Levine, it's called Surveillance Valley. It's the military history of the Internet. So that piece is very important. The other thing that I think is interesting is that, like, the in, social engineering and eugenics elements, so I was looking at this father of social entrepreneurship. His name is Michael Young. He, he died a number of years ago, but he was essentially the think tank leader of the Labor Party in the post-World War II era. And so, but he was part of the Fabian Society. And when I got looking into that and the origins and, and essentially there, Sydney and Beatrice Webb created the London School of Economics, which is incubating all these social impact bonds. And I'm like, I never occurred to me that the last, Had I mean, I'm kind of new to the stuff, but that had these layers of eugenics and classism and things built in. So that even within sort of the NHS, like, you're like, oh, no, it just went wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you actually look back, like, where was these people's headspace? But that we know better for those people who might need this stuff. Like, we're the elite, we know, that now that's in the hands of even more psychopathic people, mm. um, and eventually it will be AI who decide yeah. to engineer us yeah.
1: how they yeah. want to engineer Because why have humans involved in any of it at all? You know. With that said, I've got to take us to a quick break, Alison. Folks, this is Truth the Verse with Alison McDowell, a special guest this week. I'm Brendan Murphy, and we'll be back after the break. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>
0: You can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com challenge. If you want USA and worldwide car rentals, choose RentAcar.com. Free cancellations on most bookings, no hidden charges. They are trusted by over 4 million customers. Visit our advertiser page and click on the RentAcar banner. The truth and nothing but the truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphy.com slash truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H This is Jack Maher from the band Feed the Kitty. It's important to support the artists you love. And you can do that and get something authentic for yourself. Rock.com has the most coveted, licensed merchandise of music, culture, and entertainment. So go to the advertiser page and click on rock.com now. Get ready to work smarter, not harder. Brendan D. Murphy's e-book, The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing, does just that and shows you the possibilities of how to maximize profit to put in your pocket. The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing shows you the ins and outs to discover how to leverage the system, tools, and automation to make passive income while you enjoy the lighter side of life. Get The Pocket Guide to Affiliate Marketing at brendandmurphycom slash pocket. That's brendandmurphycom slash pocket. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative.
1: All right, welcome back to Truth Averse. I'm your host, Brendan D. Murphy. We've got our special guest, Alison McDowell, here this week on Healthy Life Radio. We're talking about the fourth industrial revolution and all the wonderful technocracy that comes with it. Alison, let's talk about the D9.
2: Okay, well, so one of the things, early on I was looking at a webinar. The, the state of Rhode Island is sort of a test case for a lot of things. It was a, a test bed for um, EdTech. And personalized learning because it's, it's such a small state, it's like this little crucible. And the governor there, Gina Raimondo, she's a neoliberal Democrat and former. Her husband was the head of McKinsey, their global education unit. So, and she came out of sort of social impact tech. So, this webinar was essentially about Israel coming in to run Rhode Island's COVID reopen program. And it wasn't just about COVID. It was essentially creating um, blockchain governments. For the state of Rhode Island beyond COVID, and there was a lot of dialogue about Israel being a digital nation and using this technology. Also, Estonia. When you hear about blockchain, um, Estonia is sort of lifted out. Again, a small nation, incubator, sort of a playground for these digital technological systems. Because what the impact investors really want is they want all of your data in one big lake that they can access, so they know if they gave you good food, what your if you needed diabetes right? Or they want to know if you, they gave you pre-K, did you end up as, in, as a juvenile delinquent? So they need all of the data in one place. And that's what the digital identity system is going to do and blockchain and also connected to the sensors. So when I was listening to this about, you know, again, no one else here is really ta- and I need to write this up, is talking about why is Israel running a state COVID reopen program in the first place, but digging into these digital nations and and even, like, within Israel, they were talking about having apps that would tell you your rights. Like, it was, like, your rights app. And I'm thinking, you know, why would you need an app to tell – like, everybody gets a own different personal set of rights, I guess, depending on, like – it really is sort of a social credit scoring sort of system. But I got to digging into this a little bit more, and I, I don't remember all nine. But a lot of this is sort of a colonialist enterprise, but, like, Canada, the U.K., in um, Australia, and Israel – I think Uruguay and Portugal and there are these nations that are the bleeding edge of essentially GovTech, tech, getting everything in this uh, sort of interconnected, optimized situation. And early on when I was looking at Australia, there's the disability payment system. is actually they have it on blockchain. That was a very early, there's a, there's a paper called Making Money Smart. Making Money Smart and it was digitally programmed. And and you think about Globalization 4.0 and disability, they're actually reworking and revisiting many disabled people to see, maybe you can work, right? Maybe you could run a cafe robot, right, from your house, even if you are chronically ill. Maybe you could work through a robot in some other foreign country, right? And so they're actually these revisiting programs around disability are part of that. But Australia is very leading edge on the digital nation. And a lot of the work that I did early on, There are many connections between Singapore and Australia. And Jane Halton was at event 201, and the person who was between behind the Singapore Monetary Unit was also at event 201. So there's a lot of modeling between the COVID infrastructure between Singapore and Australia. But also, um, Singapore is sort of the incubator of smart city uh, systems engineering. And so I think it's worthwhile for people in Australia who are sort of examining these larger systems to look at what that means for COVID in your country because literally the biosecurity state is going to run on blockchain. And initially before this all happened, my understanding was, oh, they're going to get blockchain identity by offering free college, and it's going to be your blockchain transcript. Your education transcript was, will be on blockchain. That's how I was coming into it. That's what all of the indicators I saw that, oh, they're going to give people free two-year college, and they're, it's going to come with a condition that you have a blockchain ID. And that's been piloted. Uh, In many countries already, you should look and see if it's in Australia. I'm not sure. But then this hits, and I'm like, no, this is better, because they can make you get it for national security reasons. So they're going to give people a a blockchain identity system for health, but then layer in the education the housing and all of your government services, right? And then eventually you can just have your rights on an app, right? And they can change in real time depending on how you interact with the police state. And you had mentioned, I think, about the police, the defund the police part. Yeah. And and I will add, I wrote a piece. Actually, I, I I I ended up like I was in jail for 20 hours, like about a year ago, as part of a, a protest around our housing. Our our housing situation is all part of this as well. HUD is very corrupt in our local housing authority, and I tried to stop intervening with someone who was being choked by someone who was an out of uniform officer. But I got to see how these systems worked, and what I realized is like from navigating what they would say is a diversion program. They want to say, oh, you know, you have just have misdemeanors. We'll put you in this diversion program. Well, what was the diversion program? Well, these diversion programs are essentially like just the way these folks don't want to build schools and manage schools. They also don't actually, they can't build enough prisons to hold all the people that will be displaced by the Fourth Industrial Revolution, and they don't want to pay that many guards. So what they are doing is they are turning the world into a jail, I believe that Gaza is the model of the open-air prison. Yep. And that instead of police, they will continue to criminalize poverty, but they're not going to put you necessarily physically in jail. They will put you under state control in other ways. Sure. And it will be, here's your code, here's your work assignment, here's your mental health assignment, and it's a pathway. And so essentially the, the social workers become the guards. Yep. And, and, and the educators, the social workers, the drug counselors – all of these people are the agents of the state, but it's a new form of state control, which, again, is not to say there's very brutal things happening under the lockdown circumstances and, and things that are very aggressive in terms of globalization and globalized police forces. And, I, and that isn't my strength. But the social credit scoring and the management of large sections of the population being under state control in that way, I think, is, is very real and something that people need to understand.
1: Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned Gaza. I remember Chris Chris Hedges wrote an article some years back called The Elite Will Make Gazans Out of Us All. Yeah. And, you know, that wouldn't have made sense to a lot of people, but it turns out that he's absolutely right. That probably is the model, except the level of technological imposition in there is just going to be off the charts. It's going to be exponential. So, I mean, did you did you have anything you wanted to add in the last minute before I have to take us to another break? I would just
2: say even pre-Gaza, because a lot of those systems were built actually on, the way we treated Indigenous people in the United States, right, the reservation systems and these boarding school systems. And so I would say in terms of the criminalized poverty, they really are after the children. And they and, and children in poor families and Black and brown families, Indigenous families, are going to be targets because they're the impact opportunities. And if you can criminalize poverty and remove children from homes, I think I think I, it very much concerns me that the residential school apparatus um, will, re, will resurface and I know the Vatican Bank is is a big player in all of this, right? So these 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 systems of power and and abuse, I think we, we need to be really really mindful about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I, w- I wish we could spend some more time digging yeah. into that because it's so it's so important. I will take us to a quick break, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll come back with Allison McDowell and we will wrap up this episode of Truth of Don't go away.
0: The truth and nothing but the truth, but it's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. Truth is a new social media network that elucidates the censored information that Facebook and search engines have suppressed and don't want you to see. Created by Brendan D. Murphy, it's a platform run by truth seekers for truth seekers, a place where freedom of speech is protected as the highest value. Connect with a community of fellow truth seekers. Visit brendandmurphycom slash truth. Truth can set you free. It's spelled T-R-O-O-T-H. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. Have you heard about electrolyzed water? You know water is the foundation of life, and in these times you want to keep your immune system strong and robust. That's where electrolyzed water may help. It's hydrogen-rich with lots of antioxidants, so it may help you stay hydrated, maintain great health, and boost your energy, too. This technology is made by an industry-leading Japanese company that has been going strong for 45 years. Change your water, change your life at brendandmurphy.com slash kangen, spelled K-A-N-G-E-N. Roku is like having your own video library with over 300,000 choices. And it's the best way to get Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and so much more. There's a Roku player for every budget. So go to HealthyLife.net's Advertiser page and click on the Roku banner. You can help reset and optimize your metabolism and help turn your fat into fuel. Want something that can help you do just that in just 10 days? Then you need to try the 10-Day Ketone Challenge. It may even trigger cell repair and regeneration that may help to slow down the aging process. With the 10-Day Ketone Challenge, there's no meal planning or long-term commitments. Go to brendandmurphy.com challenge and jump right in. brendandmurphy.com challenge. Eclectic Talk with a Positive Twist. HealthyLife.net
1: All right, welcome back to the show, folks. It's Truth Averse with Brendan D. Murphy and our special guest, Alison McDowell, this week. Alison, talking about the fourth industrial revolution and the techno-fascist state that's being built, the global prison without bars, take us home, bring it home. What's your takeaway message and, and where can people you know, learn more about your work and all that jazz?
2: Well, I would just say, you know, I, I think that we are in a... In a it feels like a, a battle of forces. It's, it's this culmination of a larger battle of, of the sacred and profane, and humans versus mechanism. And I don't want people to walk away feeling totally depressed because there are people who get it, and I think we're actually very powerful. I think they wouldn't want to control us if we didn't have incredible power. We just have to sort of awaken to what that is and connect. And I, I always say I, I connected with someone who taught me about blessings on the water, and so I, I'm like many of us are connected to bodies of water, and and, and I think. If you're feeling down, go go outside, go for walk. see if you can find some water. We're, we're connected that way. So, yeah, you're not alone, and this isn't hopeless. And you can find more information from me on uh, wrenchinthegears.com, or I also have a YouTube channel. If you just look up Allison McDowell YouTube, it should come up. I have a lot of talks there.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, I know Allison could talk for hours on this. And unfortunately, we have to cut it short, but I can't thank you enough for, for the work that you've been doing and the awareness raising you've been doing, Alison. It's, it's been phenomenal. So, folks, it is wrenchinthegears.com, Alison's blog. And I think I'll have to get you back for another episode sometime, Alison. But in in the meantime, thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting with you again in future.
2: That was great. Thank you.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Truth and Births on HealthyLife.net radio. I've been your host, Brendan D. Murphy. And you can find the show notes and video for this episode at truthverse.com. For more of my work and my writing, head to brendandmurphy.com. And remember, my friends, that freedom begins with truth. See you next episode. Rock on.